Okay, do you own an iPhone? You know, an iPhone or any such similar uh, device, do you? Um, if you do, then you know this. If you press the button on the side of an iPhone, along with pressing the main home button on an iPhone, you hold those two things down together, what happens? For those who are technologically savvy, what happens? You press those two buttons together, the iPhone resets. That's what happens. That Should you do that, press those two buttons together, then a lot of the peripheral stuff, a lot of the applications, uh, they reset the phone. Perhaps it doesn't go back to factory settings, but it goes back to a much cleaner state. It resets if you press those two buttons. Take it from me, that's what happens. This evening, uh, what I hope will happen uh, tonight is that we will press reset at London City Presbyterian Church. If you were here last week, uh, or even this morning, um, I've been saying and repeating myself time and time again that this is, this season, August, the summer, is an opportunity for you and for me to reflect, to reflect on the Christian life, our involvement in church. And well, tonight, that's what I want us to do. I want us to reflect on our congregation and on our church to answer questions like this. Are we in here focused on the right things? Are we, are we as a congregation, are our priorities, are they those of God's word? Are we as a congregation engaged in this correct sort of activities as a church? Activities that bring pleasure, that please the almighty God. They're big questions. Are they not important questions? And to assess these things, what we're going to do is look at that short section of Scripture. It's familiar to you. You know the section of Scripture in Acts 2, 42, 47. I think most of you will. It is a Luke's first summary. Luke has a lot of summary sections in Acts Gospel. This is the first of these summary sections. And I love it because it gives us such a beautiful insight, a little glimpse, doesn't it? into the priorities and activities of the very, very first New Testament church. So there's the plan. We're going to press reset by looking at the early church. Have you got your Bible open? Acts 2.42. Good. But the thing I think we see here is that this church in Acts 2, it was a learning community. A learning community. During the summer holiday um, and during our break in France, myself, my wife, we took our children to a church service in the French city of Perpignan. So we, we went to a church service, right? It was an English-speaking service right down in the, the south coast of France. And the service was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. It did not have the... Uh, Focus, you might expect, on the traditional elements of a church service, the traditional elements you might expect in a, a reformed church. The phrase, anything goes, kind of does uh, spring to mind. That might be a little harsh on the congregation. It might be, but there were numerous times in the service where anyone could get up and do pretty much anything they wanted. There was a lot of spontaneity in this church service that we attended. Now, I, I think, and you can correct me later if I'm wrong, but I think that is what a lot of people think of uh, when they think of the early church. So if you mention this church, First New Testament church, to a lot of Christians, what do they think? They think, oh, it's brilliant. Early church, you know, oh, I'm so free. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to power people. It's everyone, it's just spontaneity everywhere. You just, do, just go with the flow, you see? 
Now, my question there is, is that accurate to what the Bible tells us of the church? Well, you answer it. Have a look at the first phrase. Look at verse 42. What are you told about that? Look what is in the, the place of priority in this church. First phrase. The people of God devoted themselves to what? I think it's quite striking, isn't it? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So, teaching is in the place of priority. First thing mentioned in this church after Pentecost. Now, that is interesting. What does it mean or look like? Well, if you think about that from the apostles' point of view, what do you see? You see that immediately, immediately, the apostles are being obedient to Jesus, aren't they? Because what's the Great Commission? We all know it. We know the Great Commission. What does Jesus instruct these men to do? We could probably recite it. Something like, go, and there's baptizing there in the name of the Father. What else does Jesus say in the Great Commission? He says, go teaching. Go teaching people teaching them to command, uh, to obey all that I have commanded. So we see, if we look at it at the apostles' point of view, these men are doing exactly what Jesus wanted them to do, teaching. Let's flick it on the head, though. This teaching, you think about it from the congregation's point of view, what does it mean? Well, I wonder, did you notice the word? Don't, don't look down. See if you can remember what the word is. Does it say this? Does it say uh, the, the people were interested in the apostles' teaching? Does it say the, the people listened to the apostles' teaching? What's the word? Again, isn't it really quite a dramatic and striking word? The people were, what was it? They were devoted to the teaching. And that is a word in the Greek that has the kind of a force of persistence, perseverance with the teaching, the idea of commitment, commitment to the teaching. So I'm saying to you, I'm standing in front of you tonight, say, what was the early church like? Was it free and easy and spontaneous? Was it like that? What do you see? You see an eager group of students of teaching of God's word. Okay, that's the easy bit. Here's the hard bit. How do we apply ourselves tonight? How do we apply that for us? I think what we could do is be really mean <laughs> with us. We could, I think, be really judgmental and horrible and mean. We could point the finger, couldn't we? Because as you look around the city, how is it that so many Christians choose where they worship? Is teaching in the place of priority in the 21st century church? Would you say, is this not true that it is now sung praise that has been transplanted to the, the place of priority. How do people choose where they worship today? So many Christians ask questions like this. Is this church singing tunes I like? Isn't that it? That is, isn't it? Like, uh, does this church use instruments that I prefer and I like? Does it have a drum kit? Does it, you know, or a cello or a violin or, or whatever it might be, am I going to get a real, quite a big thrill or a buzz from the tunes here? Isn't that really what, it seems to be the case? Isn't that being transplanted to the place of, we could be mean, couldn't we? And we could focus on that and I don't want to spend time doing that. I'm much more concerned for me and for you. And so I ask 
this of our church. Are we um, devoted to the teaching of God's word? Are you devoted? Am I devoted to the teaching of God's word? Um, I'm glad that certain people are not here tonight because I wasn't sure if I would say this or not. Um, we're really blessed in this church. Um, to have Brad uh, as part of this church, to soon, God willing, have Harrison. And these are men who are experts in theology and experts in God's word. To have them teaching at the front of the church, that is a God sent. And how do we regard that? Do we take that for, for granted? Are we devoted? Can I ask you some questions? Are we so devoted to the teaching of the church that we are always present? You know, like morning service, evening service, even arranging our diary and our journeys and family visits around being here, here God's word. Are we that devoted to it? Ask you another, even more difficult question. Are we so devoted to the teaching of the church that we actually come to church ready? Like, how did you and I come to church tonight or this morning? Did we arrive through the doors of this church on a wave of personal prayerfulness? Like, really praying for the teaching. Like, really, really asking God, open my heart to the treasures of your words. That how devoted we are? Are we so devoted to the teaching that we are going out into the world and seeking to live what is expounded from Scripture? Because if you look at this early church, what you see is that this was a learning community of saints. Okay, second thing is this. I think we also see in Acts 2 that this was a loving community of saints. Loving community. Um, in recent years, a lot, a lot has been written in the Christian world about the church and its relationship with community. You can take it from me. There's a lot of books in my shelves at home that deal with church and society or church and community. To the extent that uh, uh, some Christians believe this, that a congregation is not legitimate unless it is based in a local community with the members of that church all living close by and, and fellowshipping with or reaching out to that particular community. Now that's an interesting idea, but I think what you've got in front of you should be really of interest to us at LCPC. Because what have we got in Acts 2? We've actually got a city-wide community of faith. Don't we? In Jerusalem in Acts, a city-wide community of faith here. So how does that work? I want to know, I really, as the pastor of a, a city church, I want to know how this works well. If you look down, would you do this with me, even the boys and the girls? We look at this. If you look down, what is the second element that's stressed? So you've got the, the devotion to teaching. The devotion carries on, and it's devotion to what's the next thing? Do you see it? It's fellowship. It's that Greek word, um, we keep saying it, don't we? The Greek word koinonia generosity, partnership, fellowship, that, that, that sort of idea. Now, we looked at that idea a little bit last week, if you were here last Sunday morning. So I'm giving, you, I'm giving away a secret here. That's why we're in Acts 2 tonight. Like, we looked last week at the, the need for love and closeness. 
in the church, but we need to open that up, don't we? We need to prize that. So what does it mean? Like, what could it possibly look like for there to be a loving citywide community of faith? How does that happen? What, how did it work in Jerusalem? Well, I think we're shown two things. First is this. This congregation was sharing together. Would you do this with me? Would you look at verse 44, please? Look at verse 44. Famous words. You maybe even know it. Look, verse 44. We're told that they were all together and had all things in common. Keep reading because you, you probably know the next bit because it's the most famous bit, isn't it? The next bit. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing as any had need. I'll read that again, okay? They were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing to, to any had need. Okay, now are there any uh, devout socialists in the room tonight? Are there? Are there any commies in the house <laughs> this evening? If so, I'm probably going to disappoint you a little bit. That there is not the idea of disowning of possessions and, and chucking it all in a common pot. It's not, because you notice, do you? In verse 46, they still own their property. So that's definitely not the idea. No, the idea here is, listen, it's the idea of meeting need. I love this. I mean, how challenging is this? That the early church looked upon their possessions as opportunities. I mean, how different is that to, to my heart, to, to your heart? They looked upon what they had as ways of meeting need. They looked around their congregation, and if somebody was needing and, and struggling financially, materially, they actually did this. They actually sold some of their possessions and, 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 and helped people. It's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't it beautiful? But isn't it? I mean, this should be us. This is challenging, is it not, for our lives? So they did share together. I said two things. The second one is that these people were eating together. Um, I wonder how closely you listened to, to, to the reading of Scripture here. Did you notice this? Because it's a very short portion of Scripture, so you should notice that there's repetition. Did anyone pick up on the repetition? Did you? There's repetition here. Twice we are told this community of saints were breaking bread together. Now, a lot of the scholars, okay, a lot of the Bible commentators, they think this. They think the breaking of bread was just sacramental. You see the idea? That as though it's saying uh, twice, they're saying that they celebrated the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread. I am less than convinced by that idea. Because if you look at verse 46... You see, much is much wider than that. Yes, of course, they're remembering the Lord's death. But these people are eating meals together, aren't they? Like these people are actually inviting others into their homes and they're sharing time speaking to you. In fact, if you see the way that the verse begins, what does that say? Look at verse 46. On a daily basis, people. Like day by day, this is a community and it's a church that are inviting their friends or people maybe who aren't their friends into their homes and really asking, can we help? Can, can we, can we sell something to, to help you? And they're speaking about their problems and they're, they're praying, fellowshipping. 
they are on a daily basis sharing their lives with one another. And you see that that's relevant to us. So I've I've been the minister here five and a half years. And I came to this congregation for a number of reasons. One of the main reasons is that I firmly believe that this could be a city-wide community of faith. I really believe that. And I still believe that. But what I perhaps didn't appreciate, the amount of effort and work that that takes, not just from me, but from the congregation. If you're a member of this church, you know this very well, uh, that people complain at London City Presbyterian Church. Um, You know that people complain that we don't see each other as much as we should maybe during the week. Come on, we've heard that before? We've heard that before. And people complain that because of that, the relationships in here are too superficial. They're not deep enough. They're not loving enough. We don't see enough of each other. Well, I am standing here and I am appealing to you. Let us complain a lot less and let's work much harder at that. So if you are in here tonight and you're guilty of complaining about the lack of time that we see each other, we don't see each other during the week then as bluntly and as boldly as I can from the pulpit, I would say, you do something about that. And that will mean a lot of things. That will mean that you have to put more time into this and you'll have to travel more to see these good people and it'll cost more and you might have to host people, feed people, give But what London City Presbyterian Church needs to be more like this is people who are willing to serve, willing to share, people who genuinely are willing to open up and live as part of a congregation of God's church. It's learning, but it's also loving. The third thing is this. What you've got in front of you was a worshipping community. It was a worshipping community. What do you think of the early church? What do you think of Acts 2, 42, 47? What do you think about it? You're thinking, this is, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> You're thinking that? This is wonderful, this church. It sounds almost too good to be true. It sounds beautiful. But maybe actually you've got an objection thus far. Maybe you're thinking, all right, these people are learning. There's a lot of uh, mental work going on here. And these people are socializing, but it's very practical thus far, is it? I mean, maybe your objection is, well, where's the piety of these people? This is supposed to be a church. Where's the spirituality of these people? Well, it is here. And we see it again in a couple of ways. I want to say this to you. In this church, there was a general attitude of, wait for it. I'm saying this to a Presbyterian church. It's part of the Free Church of Scotland. Ready for it? There was in the early church a general attitude of joy. Joy in Christ Jesus. Look at the end of verse 46, friends, please. So I'm saying the eight together. God is saying to you, the eight together, day by day. But how did they do it? They did it with glad hearts. Glad hearts, like generous hearts. Do you know how it's augmented? Do you see in verse 47? How did they go about their daily life? You see it? They went about praising God 
And remember what I've said to you. Some of these people are in real need. Like they can't afford to feed themselves. They're struggling. There's health problems. And they're rejoicing. They're delighting. They're praising God. And why? Because he saved them. And they can see it through the Holy Spirit. They're beginning to understand the depths of their salvation. They're rejoicing. There's joy. Then the second side was much more specific. Listen, there was in this early church a spirit of prayer. See, I uh, uh, look around tonight, and although we're transient, and there's a lot of people away, I know that some of you tonight were here um, when we had a sermon series on the book of Acts. Some of you were not maybe all that many. Some of you were here for the sermon series of Acts. That sermon series broke all the rules. I think every single rule that I was taught in seminary. I remember my uh, professor said to me, if you plan a sermon series, never have more than six sermons in that sermon series. And the sermon series in Acts, Bobo confirms about 60 sermons or something like that. It was a long sermon series. Now, can you remember it? What? What is it? that strikes you about the early church in the early chapters of Acts. Do you know what strikes me? These people prayed. I mean, Luke goes out of his way in the early chapters of Acts to tell you time and time and time again that these people were on their knees together praying. Now, isn't it interesting how he puts it here, though? Look at, look at it with me. It's that first verse 42. Now, he doesn't say these people prayed. Look what he says. He says they were devoted to. Now, look at the way it's written in the ESV is correct. They were devoted to the prayers. Now, do you see that that's quite unusual? So, first of all, it's unusual because it's got the definite article, the prayers. It's also plural. So, it's not just they're devoted to prayer, the prayers. And because of that, a lot of people will say this. Now, what's happening there is that the early church was devoted to liturgical prayers, written prayers, temple prayers, devoted to this sort of stuff. And again, I'm saying, yeah, I don't buy that for a second. Like, this is much more extensive. This is wider than that. Yes, of course, the early church were in the temple devoted to prayers. But what, is it? what else is happening here? This is, this is about the different types of prayers. I mean, these people are praying after they eat together, aren't they? When they invite all the people around, they're, they're praying with each other. They're praying individually. They're praying corporately. Yes, they're praying in the temple. They're praying in their homes as well. These people were rejoicing. They were praising God. But they were also deep in prayer. And do you know what I have to do now? I have to do this. I have to deal with a, a, a massive deficiency in the life of our church. Because can't anyone in here say that we are truly a... A prayerful congregation? I mean, could we really see, say this? That there is concerted prayerfulness at London City Presbyterian Church. Now, I, I, you might want to argue with me because you might want to say this. Well, the Sunday evening prayer meeting has, um, maybe not tonight, but normally it has grown and we're getting together and we really are talking and we're praying. But do you know what I would say back to you? That is... 10 minutes in a week. And then what about Thursday night for a Thursday night prayer meeting? You know, the church has grown. The prayer meeting has not grown. And this Thursday was an exception, but the tendency has been dropping off 
numerically. And I know, and I, 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 I really do know that it's difficult to get to that meeting. This is London, and it's costly, and there's time, and there's commitments. But I have to say to you, there's nothing you are doing that is more important. I mean, gathering with the saints together to pray to our God about people who are lost and struggling, that is surely one of the most important things we will do in the week. Friends, we're pressing reset, maybe, are we? Is that what we're going to do? Press reset, LCPC? We do that, great, but we do it, and then we fall to our knees before God, and we pray. And then I'll, I'll close with this. I wonder if you got them. Let's see if I can remember them. I'll not look. I'll test myself. Uh, So the early church was a learning community. It was a loving community. It was then a worshipping community. And then the last one, hmm, the most difficult of the lot, it was also a witnessing community. (laughs) In a sense, you can't help but be jealous of the early church. Isn't that right? No matter if you're visiting or you're part of this congregation, no congregation is perfect, is it? But this looks pretty close, doesn't it? It looks wonderful. This closeness, this love, this learning, this teaching, it's it's a beautiful thing. I think in particular, or most especially, we can, I think, be almost jealous of the favor that they received as a church. Maybe, do you see what I mean by that? Like the first side of it is that they were favored by, I think about this for us as a church in London, they were favored by the general public. Now isn't that a remarkable thing? Do you, do you notice that? Look at it, in verse 43, you, you've got awe, so this is fear, real fear, reverence, that came upon and it's really the city, the city, not just the church, but the city all came upon it, that the public looked with reverence in this community. That is spelled out in verse 47. What a phrase. It says, the church had favor with all the people. Imagine, imagine that favor from the general public. But then I ask you, who else were they favored by? Who else? favored this church. The Lord God himself favored this congregation. Verse 43 is this. We're told many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Jesus continuing to authenticate the teaching by miracles. Did you see the last phrase, people? Look at the last phrase. Doesn't it warm your heart and excite you? Doesn't it? Look at it. God saved them. God saved people. God was adding to their number. Now this is where I'm going with this. Here's the point. Hear this if nothing else. What do you see if you put those two things together? There's two pieces of the jigsaw. What do you see? So they were favored by who? The public. They were favored by God. What do you see? You see that this community was active in evangelism. And witness. Isn't that what you see? Isn't that the logical, the necessary conclusion? Because look at verse 47. It says, day by day, God is adding. Adding people that we say, day by day. How else is that possible? 
than these people going out and sharing their faith, speaking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. These people were active. They told people about Christ. And let's call spade a spade. It's our least favorite element of Christianity and the Christian walk. I know, look, if I speak to you about evangelism and witness, I know what you think in your heart. I know it. I know you think, I struggle with this. And, Andy, I am not good at this. And I cannot share my faith. Other people we know, right, seem natural evangelists. You probably can think of some that are just amazing at sharing their faith. And that's not you, is it? We can't do this. There's no way that we can go out in that, that city, with that sexual ethic and that the whole thing that's going on in London. Talk to people about Jesus. I am with us. You, Christian, are capable of sharing your faith. And I will tell you why. You have, as you sit there, exactly what these people had in early church. See, we look at this, don't we? And we think, oh, this looks amazing. But it was for a special time. It was for a, it was for a particular time, this church. And it's just, it's, it's a bit special. Uh, they were only able to function like this because of Gabriel's first reading. Do you see that? All of these elements of the church, they only could exist. They could only witness why. Because tongues of fire had come upon them. Because they had been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. That God had indwelt these people. And what am I free to say to you tonight? It's the same here. And it is actually the same in your life. The tongues like fire have rested on you. God in his grace and mercy in your regeneration. He has taken up his residence within you. Isn't it exciting? Isn't it something you have the power and the presence of the Almighty. I can't say this is beyond us. We can't say this is special. What we can say is, I will go from this place. And I will tell people of Jesus. And guess what? The Spirit is with me. And they may respond. Imagine that. Yes. I see my sin. Yes, I want to read the Bible with you. Yes, tell me more of Christ. We can share our faith. Friends, I ask that we do this tonight. We press reset on LCPC. We go back to factory settings. Let us be a biblical church that shares the good news. And what is that? That there is hope. There is everlasting life. There is forgiveness for sin. And all through the most wonderful of saviors, the Lord Jesus Christ. A savior who loves you so much he laid down his life he died for you but a savior who loves you so much that today tonight in august the lord jesus christ continues to work in and through his church let's pray lord god we do thank you so much that um, though we have a diminished view of what we are capable of, that you can use jars of clay and you can change us, you can mature us, 
You can speak to others through our example, our service, our witness. We thank you that it is the Holy Spirit that is the great evangelist. And so we pray that you would help us to believe on you more. Help us to become a learned church, a loving church, a worshipping church, and a witnessing church. Not that we might grow numerically, but ultimately that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ might be praised and glorified and exalted. So we pray all of these things this Lord's day. In Jesus' name, amen.